Good morning. So once again, we're going to hear from uh, another ministry, and we're going to hear from Fred and Feli Tanoa, and we are delighted that they're back here in Montreal with us, and I'm just going to do a little introduction, knowing that most of us here and watching online already know a lot about them, but there are still people who do not know who they, they may be or maybe they've seen them. So in a small introduction, um, Fred and Feli Tanoa have been at Snowden since 1991-92, and they've been serving for many, many years. Um, I know for myself, I remember Fred uh, helping out in pioneer clubs, as well as leading a, a youth choir at one point, and I know he's led uh, an adult choir as well, and he's been a deacon at the church, and also Feli has been participating in the church in Sunday school, helping on the accounting team, participating in praise and worship. And I say this and list a few of the things that they have done, not to boast them up and look what they've been doing in the church, but it is like just to show that um, being in overseas missions, especially, and even missions here uh, locally, like if you're serving in your local church, you can be a missionary anywhere. And we all are missionaries in a sense uh, when we share the gospel. And so it's like sometimes people say, oh, I can never be a missionary. And I look at Fred and Feli and I just see how later on in life, it was only in 2008 that they decided to join up with OMF, I believe it's Overseas uh, Missionary Fellowship. And by that time, their two children were already grown. And now they're grandparents of six kids. And... Uh, and so it just shows that, you know, it doesn't matter what stage in life you are, uh, when you hear the call and, and you have a desire to serve the Lord, it could be locally and sometimes he does take you abroad. And they returned to the Philippines and they've been there ever since uh, serving. And so this morning, we're going to hear more about what they've been doing, how things went. I know uh, we've been following, those who are able to follow online have been following their journey back to Montreal, and that was an adventure in itself. And we would love to hear more about what God has been doing in their lives and in the Philippines. And uh, Brother Fred as well will be bringing our message this morning. So I just want to pray for them and then have them come up and share with us. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you once again for the opportunity that we have to... to uh, Give back to you, Lord. We know through our giving and through our prayers, many, many people have uh, been sent out through Snowden Baptist Church. And that is due to your glory, Lord, and the fact that many people have uh, obeyed you in the call to, to serve locally and overseas. And we just want to thank you at this time, especially for Fred and Feli Tanoha and the fact that you've brought them back safely to Montreal and that you've kept them um, well in the Philippines through many struggles that we've heard over the years and challenges, but they have remained faithful. And we are just excited to hear more about what you're doing in their lives and in, and in the lives of people in the Philippines and the work there. And we thank you that they have been able to do that and that we're going to be able to hear more about uh, what you have put on their hearts. 
And we do want to pray for Brother Fred as well as he brings the message to us this morning. We pray that your Holy Spirit would be with him, Lord, and just guide him and that we would hear a word of encouragement, challenge, uh, a word that um, just reflects of who you are, Father, and a word that stirs us up to, to obedience. So thank you once again for this time and this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. We're so happy to be here with you this morning. We didn't uh, think or imagine, you know, how difficult it is to travel these days, but yes, we made it. God made it happen, and we are here, happy to be here with you. So, I'm Philly, Francis Ladies First, so I will do my task. <laughs> Have to follow my husband. Okay, so again, thank you for your prayers, your love and support, your prayers especially. It carries us through, through when we think, oh, this is not going to work. This is a big mistake coming to the Philippines. What are we doing here? What are we going to tell our supporters? We were like, everything was down. Anyways, let me just do something quickly here. We have lots of pictures to show you, okay, this morning. So... When we went back last year in February, uh, we went not as church planters, but it was the plan was we will help uh, with set up livelihood programs for the two fishing villages in Marabot. Oh, it's there in Marabot Samar. You see those two pink islands? One is Samar and the other one is Liti. We will, I will be talking about those two islands. So we got there in February with the plan to set up livelihood programs that will help the two churches in Pinalanga and Mabuhay. The leadership in OMF Philippines decided that we wait until June to return to Samar to give the missionaries on the ground in Samar to wrap up their work before we come in with a new ministry. So it was decided that we do our waiting time in Leyte, the other pink island, where we have a house. While there, we were mandated to work with churches affiliated with Alliance Bible Christian Communities of the Philippines. It is a big alliance, 500 churches, and it started with churches planted by OMF missionaries. So in March, the Philippines, like everywhere else, went to lockdown because of the pandemic. We were in the safety of our own home, but the days, weeks, and months passed by, and it seems that the Lord is closing the door to go back to summer. We were feeling disappointed, frustrated, whining, complaining, <laughs> you know, sharing our distress to our prayer partners. Here we are about 200 kilometers away from Samar, Marabot Samar, but we can't just go there. We were beginning to think that this mis mission trip was a total disaster, that it was a mistake to return to the Philippines when there was a deadly virus circulating around the world. So we thought, okay, let's just go back to Canada, leave everything. 
But we cannot do that as well because the airline industries, they were also locked down. So the small village in Lower Villacinta, Macron, Southern Leyte was home for the 17 months. Actually, this is the village where I grew up. I was born and grew up. Uh, so we were among families. A few days after we arrived, okay, my cousin, he's a pastor. He's pastoring that church, the Family of God Fellowship. This was a church. <laughs> oh. Okay, this was a church that we planted way back in November 2013. He was happy that we are home, but looking very anxious. He started telling us about the challenges that's going on in the church. We can feel his frustration with the leaders and he was giving up. He was ready to quit. We said, well, our assignment is to go to summer. You know, we didn't come here and we'll be moving there in June. But he said, okay, while you are here, can you just help us? He was kind of begging. Okay, but the lockdown in March closed everything down, including the churches. So three months we were at home. Restriction for people who are like us, over 65, were told to stay home. Don't go anywhere. We cannot go to the bank, groceries, nothing. We have to send somebody to do that. Okay. So in June, everything started to like, okay, ease up this, ease up that. So there was like church meeting were allowed, but we still cannot go because of our age. <laughs> okay, we cannot go to summer, we cannot go anywhere because we are over 65. Under 18 and over 65, stay home. Okay, so the first Sunday the church was opening, the pastor came again. He said, can you please come? Come and encourage the church. We said, no, sorry, we can't. We, want to, we have to follow the rules. Okay, so. But towards the end of June, you know, we can hear the, them singing on Sunday, and our heart was like stirring, and the Lord was speaking to us, you know, like, why are you sitting at home? Go! You know, so we finally went. And yeah, it was sad to see them because people from who were there at, from the beginning of the church were missing. You know, I said, what happened? There were no families that, you know. So that's it. Uh, Oops, okay. Uh-huh. Okay, here we are. So, first ministry we did was towards the pastor. Okay, you take time off. Fred and I will take over with all the teaching, the preaching, and, you know, whatever has to be done. And so, yeah, we did. So we encourage everyone to just, like, come together. We did preaching, we did teaching, we did trainings in between. But this only happened on Sunday, and it's pandemic, you know, so we try to really keep everything low. We don't want to, there are village watchers who come around and check everything. So, yeah, they were interested. They were starting to come every Sunday, early in the morning, to listen. And so we were encouraged. We said, oh, so Lord, this is, 
This is why we are here. You know, our eyes started to open. We were refusing before. So God has a job to do after all. We couldn't say it for a while. We were focused on our desire to go to summer. Expectations, you know, it can be really dangerous. So here are more highlights. Okay, so after all the preaching, teaching, and uh, lifting up the spirits and just encouraging them, here we can see that's Pastor Albert, my cousin. In November, he's already smiling and looking relaxed. <laughs> so we said, Pastor, it's time for you to go back to the pulpit. And he said, no, 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 no. We have much to learn yet. That is why the Lord brought you here. And he always tells us that every time we tell him, go back now, we, we will give you. He said, no, 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 you are here. The Lord has a purpose. So that's him. Okay, with Fred's love for music, you know that? We even managed to put on a mini cantata. I mean, we have to be really like, okay, looky, looky, nothing, you know. <laughs> you see, we have social distancing. See that? It was beautiful. <laughs> it was beautiful. Even in our time of, you know, like, especially us, we always feel guilty because the government says, over 65, stay home. Okay. So, actually, a surprise, a big part in our ministry was towards the youth. We were not planning at our age to do youth ministry. You know how they are. Okay. <laughs> But anyways, they were there, just like us, trapped in the village. Usually, they're away in the city for studies. Wow. And we were so surprised. Some of these big uh, youth were part of our children's ministry way back in 2006 and 7, still walking with the Lord. So anyways, they, come, they love to come to the house for food. You know, <laughs> they love to sing, so we have games and we have Bible studies with them. And praise God, like this group, six youths submitted to water or baptism on Easter Sunday. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, there they are playing. There's the game master. No social distancing. <sighs> Don't tell the police or something because we're in trouble. <laughs> okay. Oh, yes. The youth always say, we know Christ, but why do we always sin? Why do we always do this? You know, we know he's not happy. So we, we had a, a study, a youth revival, we call it, no longer slaves to sin. They went around the, the village, invited so many kids that night, and around 40 people, 40 kids from different churches and unchurched kids. Fred was just starting his message when the power went out. What are we going to do? Look, it's so dark. Wow, cell phones. They come handy with their light. And we're just handing Fred. And Fred, okay, he didn't stop. He just continued. No, no microphone, so the room just fell into total silence. They were just listening intently, following the reading with their own cell phone lights. It was like 
the Holy Spirit just captured everybody and listening. It was really amazing. Towards the end of Fred's message, the light came back on. And there was just singing and crying and rejoicing. It was really an amazing night. Okay, did it move by itself? Okay, that's the, that's the end. <laughs> okay, okay. Next, okay, that one. Okay, well, the youth, as I said, a big part of the ministry turned out to be for the youth. They wanted to hear about love, courtship, and marriage. Okay, so I said, okay, we can do this too. So we, <laughs> we invited two pastors to speak about love and courtship first. We, there were lots of kids, again, 40, 40 young people. Uh, the first pastor, unfortunately, he spoke about all three, love, courtship, marriage. So he spent like an hour. So all the time was gone. The second pastor who was going to speak about the courtship, he was like, he was feeling so nervous, so he was just like trying to tell jokes because his, his line was already covered, you know? So, and then my turn came and I said, I didn't know what to do. I prepared so much, like I had slides, you know? I wanted them to get involved. So when it was my turn, next, there's me. I said, listen, you're hearing from somebody who is an expert on marriage. <laughs> 45 years of marriage. <laughs> and I have a lot to share with you, and I want you to participate. As soon as I showed uh, the first slide, it really caught their attention. And they were just participating. So it was, see, and they really enjoyed the part about stages of marriage. Honeymoon, storming and whatever, performing together and then walking through the sunset. <laughs> they, they just, I love these kids, they're so enthusiastic. Okay, that was in February, that was during Valentine's Day. On uh, March, finally, the Lord opened the door for us to go to Samar. But it was against, against the law. It was also against the law because 65 are supposed to stay home. But anyways, we took the risk. Three days we spent there. And this is Mabuhay Christian family, fellowship family. What a joy to see them. It was just a beautiful reunion. There are the leaders serenading us. Okay, next. Oh. That's Mabuhay Christian Fellowship with the, the leaders. And the next visit was Pinalanga Christian Church. This is actually the village where we live for five, six years, almost six years. And yeah, it was amazing to see the church. Uh, their vision, that's their vision. Uh, in English, that says, do you want to see a deal that the church will be filled with many believers who know God wholeheartedly, united and strong in their faith of the living God. Wow. And during our visit, that's Fred Shading, 
we see that vision coming. The church is overflowing. Wow, two-thirds of the people there we didn't know. Just this year, they had two baptisms already in March, 27 people. And last week, they had 11 people baptized. It's, it's really filling up. You see, people are standing in the back. They are planning to break the, the wall in the back and just open the building. Wow. This, that's Pastor Filmar, Woody, and Anton. And they are just passionate to reach out the whole village. Okay, so it was really an exciting time for us to finally visit Marabot to get to see our three favorite islands. See in the back, Madung Badong. And then we were looking forward to see the house where we live for five years. That's the picture in the middle. But unfortunately, our house is looking like that. <laughs> A powerful uh, storm in 2019 took the roof and the walls, and, and that's the house. So it was kind of sad. Okay, so back to Leite, and this was Easter Sunday, and here's the baptism. We had a sunrise service, and six youths, and two, one father were baptized that day. Praise God. Okay, so... Oh, we have to tell you this, <laughs> because, you know, uh, we were already planning to come back. OMF had already made arrangement for us to come back, but the advice that we should really get vaccinated. So we said there's no way, everyone says there's no way for us to get vaccinated. Hundred millions of people waiting to be vaccinated. We live in a little island, and the government decides who gets the vaccine. So we said, yeah, let's go back. And we said, yeah, we'll go back to Canada because, you know, if we get sick, that's what the leadership told us. You know, no hospital, no facilities. Nobody can help us. We're far away from Manila. So, but they said it would be good to have vaccination. Anyways, our flight was on May 26. And then suddenly on the evening of May 5, my niece came and she said, Oh, I read in the messenger chat group, there's a vaccination for seniors tomorrow in the health center in the town. Oh, we have to get this. There's no way we, you know, but she said it's 150 shots only. First come, first serve. So early in the morning, we ran there. We thought we were number one, number two, but no, we were number 53, 54. <laughs> to make a long story short, we got our vaccine that day, and then the second vaccine was given to us June 3, Sinovac. Have you heard of Sinovac? Yeah. Okay. Yes, no. <laughs> okay. So, so our flight was rebooked. There they are. There we are getting our vaccine. So our flight was rebooked next. June 23. Okay. But of course, we have to get the COVID test that within 72 hours of our flight. So Tacloban City is the first airport that we start going to Manila. So on June 21, we went there with our luggage already to get the COVID test. Unfortunately, the two centers that were giving the test were so clogged 
with uh, test result. You know, they have to come out and there's like thousands of cases locally. And they said, no, we cannot do your test. We cannot give it to you within 72 hours. Okay, so, okay. And they said, one of their machine is broken. Sorry, ma'am, we really cannot do the test. Okay, so we rush to the airport. We try to get a flight to go to Manila and maybe do the test there. And hopefully the test will come out by Wednesday, our day to fly. It, all the two flights are full, so that's out. So, okay, so by the time we were done with the running around, we were ready to go back to Leti. And then our car broke down. <laughs> okay, and, and these people who were driving us, we, or we have only 24 hours to be away from our municipality. If you exceed that time, they'll put us under quarantine for 14 days. So we rushed to the garage, it was 4.30. The guy said, no, we cannot take it because it's too late. And the job, it was leaking, the radiator was leaking. But he said, try to go to that uh, radiator shop, maybe they can help you. And he gave us direction, but we keep missing it because we were looking for a nice garage. That's the shop. <laughs> That's the shop. Okay, so finally they did it. Three hours. It was eight o'clock at night when they finished and we start driving. Uh, five hours. And we just made it to our house uh, after midnight. But we left 1 a.m. the previous day, so we were safe within the 24 hours. That was an adventure. We were all nervous. <laughs> okay. So, let me just share this, uh, this uh, message, uh, this verse to you, because this is the one that really lift us up when we were whining about our situation, you know. A friend of ours, he said, come on, uh, he sent us this verse, it says, when they came to the border of Misha, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them. So they passed to Misha and went down to Troas. Okay. So, and that same day, we were reading our devotional. And it says, during such time, it was difficult for me to leave my work unfinished when I believe it was service done in the power of, the spirit, of his spirit. But I finally remembered that the spirit requires not only a service of work, but also a service of waiting that the Spirit took, okay. So it was a prayer. After that, it says, Dear Holy Spirit, my desire is still to be led by you. Nevertheless, my opportunities of usefulness seems to be disappointed. For today, the door appears often open into a life of service for you, but tomorrow it, doesn't, it closes before me just as I am ab about to enter. Teach me to see another door, even in the area of service where you have closed a door, a new entrance into your service. Inspire me with the knowledge that a person may sometimes be called to serve by doing nothing, by staying still, or by waiting. And when I remember the power of your gentle whisper, 
I will not complain that sometimes the spirit allows me not to go. And then we give up some more and just embrace the ministry in Leite. Mm -hmm. Many are the plans in the person's heart, but is it, it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. To God be the glory. Amen. Well, you warned me I only have five minutes left. <laughs> How am I going to do that to you? I told him to give me a two-minute warning. So we've said many good mornings already, so I'll just ask you a question. So what's new and exciting with your life, with the Lord right now? It is surreal that we are here today. Phil already mentioned about the many dramas we've seen. And to be here with you today is the new and exciting life we have right now. Let me ask you a question. What comes to mind when we talk about Moses? Come on. <laughs> what comes to your mind when you talk about Moses? The big one. The burning bush? Yeah, the parting of the Red Sea. OK, what about David? Goliath. What about Noah? Yeah, the flood, yes. What about Joshua? Joshua. Somebody. The walls of Jericho, yes, Jericho. Who could forget that? We even have a song for that during our Sunday school years. It goes like this. If you know, you can sing with me. Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. And the walls come tumbling down. It sounds so easy, right? What, what happens about a thousand years ago? The story of Jericho traced back with the events in the book of Exodus. Here the Bible recounts how Moses led the Israelites from their slavery in Egypt only to take a 40-year detour in the desert until the time is right for them to enter the promised land a land known as Canaan, a land flowing with milk and honey, 
led by Joshua, Moses' successor. But first, what lays before them is what seemed to be a formidable and impossible task of driving out the inhabitants already living in that land, the Canaanites, savage, paganistic, extremely sinful and immoral. The conquest of the land is about to begin, and the first city standing on its way is the fortified city of Jericho. Now this brings us to the sixth chapter of the sixth book of the Bible, the book of Jonah. Okay. I can read that far. But before we read, let's pray. Father, speak through me, because all my words spoken here are meaningless without you, Father. If, not, if, I'm not, if you're not speaking to me, Lord, through me, all these are meaningless. So we speak to us, Father. Convict our hearts for the truth and messages we will discover. And remove our ego at this time, our wants and wishes, because this is all for you, Lord, how great and powerful you are. And may your name be lifted up and glorified and magnified, the most beautiful and wonderful name, Jesus. Amen. Now let's go to Joshua chapter 6. I can read it from here. So I'll just use my Bible then. Joshua 6, 1 to 14. Now Jericho, can we stand up, please? And as we read, we read the word of God. We can read together if you want, follow. Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. Okay. Okay, just, just follow there. It's the same, different version. Okay. Then the Lord said to, Je to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, March around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, they have, have all the people give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up, every man straight in. Okay, we'll just stop right there. We'll, we'll continue later on. Sit down, please. Thank you. We'll go back to verse 1. It says there, Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. What happened there? 
there was a lockdown. We thought we only had the lockdown here, but way back, they have lockdown. People can't go in, people can't get out. They have a lockdown not because of COVID, but because of... Now, Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. Now, let's take a look at the image of Jericho. Now, Where's the image here? <laughs> Forward. There's the image of Jericho. <laughs> Thanks to Bible publishing. Now it's gone. Okay, there it is. You're controlling there? That's good. <laughs> you better do it. Now that's the ancient Jericho. It's not a big city. It is one kilometer long and half a kilometer wide. So you can walk around it in, in a couple of hours. You can finish walking around Jericho. But what makes it so formidable, but what makes it so challenging is its walls. They are so high. There you can see there are two walls. The inner wall or the outer wall is three meters high or five meters high. And the inner wall is eight meters high. Now, why did they make such a, such a wall so high against the Israelites? What are, what's with the Israelites? Let's go back to Joshua chapter 2. Chapter 2 now. There. Thank you, operator. <laughs> Let's read chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. It's a different version here. Just follow. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the route. She went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sion and Og the two kings of the Amorites is the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we, heard of, when we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above the earth. Oh, for your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. So the Canaanites were scared of the Israelites, not because they are a very powerful nation, 
They were scared of the, of the Israelites because of their God. They know their God. And they believe that their God is the one true God. A little application here. Do people know that Jesus, our God, is the one true God? Does people know Jesus because of us? Because of what he has done in our lives? Because of the changes in our lives? Do people recognize that you are Christians because of what Jesus did to our lives. If someone accuses you of being a Christian, will they find enough convincing evidence to convict you beyond reasonable doubts that you're a Christian? That you're born again? That you're a child of God? That you are holy? pardoned a temple of the Holy Spirit? There's not much reason to, for the world to smile right now with all the things that goes around us. We have the pandemic. But let's continue. Let's, let's read verse 2. Go back to chapter 6 now. Joshua chapter 6, verse 2. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. God didn't say, I will give you Jericho. What did he say? I have given you Jericho. It's past tense. God spoke in the past. God spoke in past tense about a battle you haven't fought yet. About the enemy you haven't seen face to face, maybe virtually or by Zoom, <laughs> but you haven't seen him face to face. What's God telling Joshua is telling us today? Trust me. I've given you Jericho. I've got your problems. That's how strong and how big our God is. And that's how confident he is in us to carry out his plans. He's not stressed out, losing any sleep at all, of all the problems that's facing the world today. I have conquered the world is our Lord's resounding, assuring words. And if you can get on my plan, you can have the victory because my purpose will prevail. But you know what? Others take it in the other way. Say, because it's done, because it's finished, I don't have to do anything. All I have to do is sit and wait till the Lord comes back if he ever comes back. 
the later, the better. I'm saved and forever saved. So where my sin increased, God's matchless grace increased all the more. That's how other people see it. It's done. I don't have to do anything. But the Apostle Paul said, no. To the most negative manner. By no means. Uh, one way to make the scripture come alive for me, to make it exciting, to make it relevant in our present situation and apply it in our lives is put ourselves in the characters. Otherwise, it becomes boring and, and God's word and his wondrous story becomes a myth. becomes a fairy tale to some and becomes a song in the air. So we'll start with Joshua. We'll put ourselves in Joshua's shoes. When God says, I've given you Jericho, what would you say, honestly? I've given you Jericho. What would you have said? No, Lord. Actually, I see walls, locked up walls. When Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, and all you can see is misery, problems, and defeat. Have you ever felt like what you see in your life doesn't match up with what God has said in your heart? Have you ever felt like God is speaking to you about victory and you feel defeated? Have you ever felt like God is speaking to you about healing and deep inside you, you're bitter and broken? Have you ever felt like to, like telling, to tell somebody about Christ and your own doubts are mounting? Have you ever felt a time in your life where, where your revelation don't match with your reality and experience? That's Joshua's situation. And for maybe, maybe of us. Now God says, I have, I have that covered. I have planned it. And this is God's plan. Let's continue reading verse 3 to 5, chapter 6. Is it there? Verses 3 to 5. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven, seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, March around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. Now let's put ourselves on the soldiers' shoes. We want to feel what 
must have these men felt. Well, they thought they were to charge the city and wage war. But all they ended up doing for six straight days is taking a walk. Can you think of an example in the Bible about God using unlikely methods in a battle? An example? How did God use Gideon? First he started how many men? 32,000 men. And God said it's too much. He reduced it and then reduced it some more to how many men? 300 men from 32,000 men. That's how God is. How did he use Moses to face Pharaoh? What did Moses have? A staff. Imagine a staff against the Pharaoh. What about Samson? A jawbone. <laughs> what about David? A slingshot against Goliath. Okay, if you're one of the men, what would you have expected as you march around the city, around the walls? Okay, you're, you're marching. Put yourselves in their shoes. You're marching against these very high walls. What would you have expected to go on? I would have expected every time I, I walk, you know, a section would crumble. <laughs> okay, one day, maybe a section will crumble. The next day, another section will crumble. Third day, but nothing happened. I needed to see something happen or success stories to motivate me. I don't mind working hard, sacrificing, putting up with stuff, but I need to know that my pain has a purpose. But the Bible doesn't say, not a word. Instead, you soldiers, you come home from, to the camp, to your wife, and the, in, the interrogation starts. How did it go, honey? And the most common are, are we there yet? Can we go in the city now? What is it like in there? How many did you kill today? Let me see your blood-stained sword. And you don't even have a scratch in you. Those are questions from your wife. And you'd say, oh, well, actually, we didn't fight today. It's kind of uh, like a spring training, you know. We just went for a walk, but tomorrow's another day. I think Joshua just wants to get our muscles stretched. 
I think my time is up. <laughs> you didn't give me a two-minute warning. Okay, so for three, four, five, six days and still no action. You know how God told Joshua after six days? He said, on the seventh day, the walls are going down. But God didn't tell Joshua to tell the people about the whole plan. He didn't say a single word about how long they were going to be doing this. Let's read verse 6 to 10 again. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the people, Advance, march around the city with the armed guard going ahead of the ark. When Joshua has, had spoken to the people, the seven priests carried, carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward blowing the trumpets and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched around ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets and the, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time, the trumpets were sounding, but Joshua had commanded the people, do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. God told Joshua, don't tell the people about the whole plan. You just tell them one day at a time. He doesn't tell them how long and how many laps to go. So you can say, oh, there's five more laps to go, or four or three, then I can quit. And then I can use my sword. Enough of these trumpets. I didn't sign for a marching band. I want to use my muscles. So after six days, you're faced with these dilemmas. You've got walls can't see what's, what you're pursuing, what you're fighting for, and what's going to be like. You've got no progress, no reason to go on. You're marching and nothing's happening. A plan that doesn't make any sense at all. Are you going to continue or is it time? I want to go. Okay. God didn't want Josh and the men to trust in their efforts, in their faith in Him, or their strength, or their progress. He blindfolded them. Way back, years ago, we used to show Christian films here at Snowdon. I think once a month, Rob, was it once a month or twice a month? Anyway, I can remember. But we show some Christian films. And one of them was Facing the Giants. Remember that? 
James is nodding, so he remembered it. It's a true story about Grant Taylor, coach of football team Shiloh Eagles. For six years, he has never led his team to a winning season. Faced with family problem and a secret plot to, dis secret plot to dismiss him as the head coach, he was devastated. In desperation, Grant reached out to God. He dares to challenge his players to trust God for the impossible on and off the field. My favorite part is the death crawl. Football players here, you know what death crawl means? No. <laughs> it is an exercise wherein you cross the 100-yard field by crawling with a player on your back. Grant picked his man, Brock, reluctant because Brock didn't believe he couldn't do the 50-yard line in the first place. Coach Grant blindfolded Brock, blindfolded him. He didn't want Brock to be satisfied and give up once he hit the 50-yard line because Coach Grant knew Brock could exceed that goal. Give me your best and don't give up to uh, don't give up was Coach Grant asking Brock. Towards the end, when Brock was in extreme pain and was hurting, Coach Grant was screaming to his face to fight on and keep on going. He said, Don't give up. Give me more. Give me your best shot. Give me some more. Give me some more yards. See to the face. Much to Brock's amazement and his teammates, he could do in the entire field by giving it out, by giving its best. And his very absolute very best. Don't give up. Trust me. Sometimes God lets us walk around a situation where what you're doing doesn't seem to be working because it, he wants to know that you trust him and trust that he's working even when, you are, even when what you're doing doesn't seem to, to be working. We've seen it many times in the, in the missions. Like my wife said, so many. But God is working. Will you still pray when the answer hasn't come for six days, or six years, or six months? Will you still serve him when nobody appreciates you? Will you still show up when you don't even feel like it's making a difference? Will you still? That's the question God wants to know. Will you still march simply because I said so? Not because you saw the benefits, not, be, not because you saw the progress. That's the essence of faith. A voice calling, keep marching, keep walking. You're not alone in this world. Life doesn't tell us how many laps we have to go. And I wonder how many people gave up on their wayward kids, 
How many people gave up on their marriages? How many people gave up on the ministry? And how many people gave up on God? And you didn't know that you were already on the lap number six. Our message today is don't give up on six. Don't quit on six. Give your absolute very best to the Lord. You're closer than you think you are. You might be tired. It might not make sense. You might look ridiculous. You might be tired of blowing a trumpet. But don't give up or quit on six. There might be somebody here today who are on the verge of quitting something God has promised to you. God blindfolds us so we can walk by faith and not by sight. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for reminding us, Father, that we have to give our best to you. Lord, we have so many walls around us. We have the pandemics. We have the war in Afghanistan. We have a lot, Father, walls that seems bigger and bigger. But, Lord, you are here. You're bigger than all the walls. You're bigger than everything, Father. So we trust you, Lord. Help us, Father, of our unbelief to you. In Jesus' name, amen.